Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg. You all are the listeners. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's another week. It's Tuesday morning, trying to get this thing recorded, see what we got going on. Not a ton of game news. A few things I found interesting. A little bit of game news. Um, I'm going to talk about Death Stranding. I've put some substantial time into it, so if you watch the Dropcast, it's gonna be some, uh, it's gonna be some crossover. You're gonna hear a lot of the same things. <clears throat> but if you haven't listened to that, then you're gonna hear about the new Hideo Kojima game, Death Stranding. Um, uh, there's not a lot of spoilers really because the story is pretty vague in the beginning, and so we're gonna talk a little bit about that. So if you don't want to hear anything about Death Stranding, you might want to skip this one today, folks. I'm sorry to say. Uh, we have our game of the week. We have our pickup pile of the week. Not a lot. Only four games today. Not not bad. Um, we got our game of the week and then I've got some exciting news. So I haven't, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put it here. So you'll all be able to listen to it. You'll be the first to listen to it. But basically I'm starting another podcast with a good friend of mine, Josh from suggestive gaming. <clears throat> and, uh, we're starting a podcast specifically about metal gear. Um, I'm a huge metal gear fan. If, if you don't know, <clears throat> it is my favorite franchise. It's like known as it's my thing. You know, everybody, you know, who's been over to my game room, like I've got, I don't know, 30, 40 plus of the Play Arts Metal Gear figures. I've got the Hot Toys figures. I've got all the statues, all that stuff. I really, I've always loved the franchise since the original one on NES I played when I was a kid to rediscovering the series with Metal Gear Solid and then carrying and playing everyone as they came out since then and just being completely engrossed in the universe. And so it's an interesting podcast because it's, it's, it's going to be about the lore and the story of Metal Gear. The history of it, I guess. Not not so much like, oh, in 1987, Metal Gear released in North America. To uh, It's not going to be like that, you know? It's going to be like, well, let's talk about Solid Snake. Let's talk about this character. Let's focus on him and, and what, what the world's like in, in actuality. Like, what, what kind of world is that he exists in? And So we're going to talk a little bit about the history, the lore, the characters, the connections that they make. And all that sort of thing. So Josh and I, we're looking to record our first episode possibly this week, maybe next week. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to upload it here to Game Talk Radio. And so you'll be able to hear it first. Now, eventually that might change. We might move it off to uh, we might move it off to its own thing because I don't want to force you all to listen to it if you don't want to. Uh, but I think it'd be fun. And, and uh, I've been told, I don't like to speak you know, myself for this, but I've been told that people like to hear me talk about Metal Gear because I'm so passionate about it. And so I said, why not? Let's do it. And so we're going to try it out. We're going to do a test uh, test pod, and we're going to see how it goes. And, and I'll put it up here, and, of course, I'll ask for everyone's feedback on that once it's up. And so, yeah, hopefully hopefully you get to hear it, and hopefully you like it. And even if you don't know what Metal Gear is, and all you've heard is that it's a very convoluted, crazy story, well, it's, it's not that bad. So maybe we can, you know, maybe I can bring you into the fold, and, and maybe you can enjoy listening to us talk about something like that. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. So we're going to talk Death Stranding, though. That's Kojima's latest game. He is probably my favorite game designer uh but we're gonna talk about it because death stranding it's 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 hit or miss i'm gonna be honest i'm a little disappointed so we're gonna talk about that um we're gonna very quickly talk about the sonic movie they just released the new trailer this morning uh with the redesigned sonic and uh, it looks pretty good and so we'll talk about that and we're gonna talk about also how you know the internet complaining isn't always a bad thing not always um and yeah, so that that's pretty much it. We're just gonna hit the ground running today, and and uh, it might be a little shorter one, you know, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get it done. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna fire it up with our talk about uh, Sonic the movie, the new uh, revealed trailer.
So like I mentioned, uh, first on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. So as we all know, a few months ago, much to our disappointment, I think almost everyone's disappointment, the Sonic trailer came out and I had almost forgotten how creepy it looked. I mean, I look at this and that is, that is scary stuff, man. Uh, th this is, I, I hated the design, you know, and to be fair, would I have gone and seen a Sonic live action movie in person on day one? Probably not. But would I have wanted to watch it at some point? Yes. Uh, and so after watching the initial trailer, um, if you remember the video, I talked about it back then, or the podcast, I talked about it back then. I didn't necessarily hate, like I hated the design, but I don't think that was the worst part about the trailer. I thought it was really generic looking and it just, it just felt like a generic action movie, like the kind of video game movies that we were tortured with in the nineties and two thousands where they didn't really care about the source material. They just wanted to pump it out and get it out there. And I don't think that, you know, so, so I had issues with the movie before then. But the the, re, the 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 look of Sonic was very off-putting. Like, I don't know how that ever got greenlit. I just don't know how it went through test groups, how it went through other things, and there was nobody there who was like, the thing just looks creepy. Take aside for a minute that it wasn't accurate to the character. It just looked creepy. I mean, it was giving me like that, um, you know, that just weird vibe looking at it. <laughs> so we move on. Uh, they announce, even the director comes out and say, hey, we heard you loud and clear. We're going back because Sega and I think Miramax are like, we want to make the best movie we can make for all of you. So we're going to hit the, the, go back to the drawing board and redesign Sonic. And, you know, initially there was a lot of backlash, right? Like people saying how now these poor animators have to redo all this work and yada, yada. It's like, well, yes, but one, they're, they're getting paid again for another six months of work. I mean, that's a good thing, right? They're not freelancing after the movie's over, hoping to go on to another project. They're on the same project. One. So two, they're, you know, they're getting paid. It's not like they're indentured servants or something. You know, that was always some weird argument to me that people were like, well, now the, the poor animators have to go back. And it's like they're getting paid and they get paid really well, you know, just so you know, compared to a lot of people's regular day jobs. And they should. They're talented. So I'm not saying they shouldn't, but, you know, I digress. So. We, uh, you know, we, we, we complain, we say it's stupid, we make fun of it, the memes come out, it's all hilarious. The studio and the director come out and say, hey, we're going to redesign it. That's pretty impressive. You don't see that very often. Oftentimes, when you complain about something on the internet, you are shouted down, basically, by people saying you should just shut up and enjoy it. You know, and you're like, okay, and, and I get it, because sometimes people just complain about everything. So you're never truly happy most of the time with anything that comes out. Not everyone is, I should say, but you know, it's nice to know that collectively, I think the large majority thought this looked bad. So this morning they released a new trailer. I'm not going to put it here because we could watch the trailer. I watched it already. We could watch the trailer. It's fine looking. It's definitely better than the first trailer. Um, but all it does is get our video demonetized and taken down. So why bother showing the trailer? But I do have a neat little slider. So I want to thank IGN, not my favorite place in the world to go, but they had a really neat slider here to kind of give you an idea of what we're looking at. So obviously podcast listeners bear with me as I describe it. But here I'm going to go from, you know, I've got a slider where it's the same picture, the same scene of the movie. And we're going from right to left now. And so right now on the screen up, I've got the old Sonic or the original Sonic from the movie, he's got like this, he's got lots of teeth and he's got this weird nose and he's looked ratty fur. It just, he looks off-putting to say the least. So now as we slide over, my goodness, the new Sonic looks so good. I mean, it's, you know, you can kind of half and half it, but one, they actually brought more color into Sonic's face. So the non-blue fur part is more of a brown than a white. 
the fur is more smooth and less ratty looking. I don't, I don't even, again, I don't know why this was originally made the way it was. It just, I mean, I don't know who, again, who greenlit that, like what artist designed that? And they were like, ah, just go with it. Who cares? You know? Um, but now you look at the new Sonic, he's got the bigger eyes that are closer together. He's got the more normal nose, doesn't have huge nostrils. And it just looks really good. He's got teeth, but they're really, really small. Like they're not the emphasis of the character. He doesn't you don't see his upper teeth, so it's not so off-putting. And his ears are a lot bigger. So you look at this new Sonic. I <laughs> just split the difference right down the middle. It's so horrifying. But obviously a huge, huge improvement. So thank you, director and people working on this movie. Jeff Fowler's the director. Um so thank you. Thank you. It looks good. Like it's totally reasonable. Um, you know, and then here's just some more pictures from the, from the movie. I'm just going to flip through some of these real quick. So uh, it just, it just all kind of works. You know, it, it looks good now. Now, is that going to fix the other problems that the movie might've had? Eh, probably not, but is it better than it was? And now I went from never going to see the movie to I'll probably watch it and maybe go see it in the theater if I feel like it and have the time. It's possible. At least now, like, this trailer was a lot better, too. And they showed, like, Green Hill Zone. They showed him running through, like, you know, loop-de-loops and stuff. Like, it, it was actually more Sonic-themed than the first trailer. So it did address some of the issues besides Sonic's look, which I'm very happy about. And this looks really good. Like, if you're going to do a Sonic movie that's live action, this is about as good as you're going to get, I think. Which also was something that I thought Detective Pikachu did really well. And I'm not a Pokemon fan. So, you know, I watched it on the plane to Ireland. So it's certainly possible that Pokemon fans would disagree with me there. But I look at this and I say, this looks like the Sonic that I know. It's much cuter. You're going to sell more merchandise with a Sonic that looks like this. Like, give me a break. The old Sonic was just, just scary. <laughs> just downright scary. <laughs> and so this Sonic's going to sell more merchandise. It's going to be easier to sell. Like, it just looks good, you know. And they showed Sonic with a lot more props in this trailer than just him by himself it was this is pretty cool i think this is uh this was a huge huge improvement uh, over the old design so with that said again we're gonna look at the slider here let's go to old sonic <laughs> it's so bad oh it's so gross and the new sonic looks actually like sonic the hedgehog and i know one of the arguments right one of the arguments is it's it's creative license. And and I do agree with that to a point, but we have to understand that these movies are still profit generators. They don't make these movies to make artists happy, they make these to make money. And to, you know, so th this needed to be changed to make money. Unfortunately, it was just a miss. And that's okay, and they admitted to it and they moved on. Like that's all you can really ask for is for a, a company to <laughs> for a company to admit their mistakes and to move on. And I think this is one of those instances and it's happened a few times. Obviously, there's a lot of negativity on the internet. And I I know that as well as anyone. And so a lot of times people do complain about things. And there's something like Star Wars Last Jedi where it's very torn. Half the people love it, half the people hate it. And so while some people say, I didn't like this because they ruined characters, yada, yada, that's his, that's his or her opinion. And then someone says, I loved it. It was the best Star Wars movie we've ever seen. That's their opinion. And it's fine. And that movie is, in my opinion, about 50-50. I personally, I didn't like it. Um, I'm watching it a second time. I appreciate it a little bit more. But I still don't like where they took certain characters and again that's just my opinion though that doesn't mean that i think the movie's bad i just i didn't like it and that's okay with the sonic movie though it seemed a little bit closer to maybe 90 percent to 10 percent, and the 10 percent almost felt like they were just defending it because they were sticking up for the people that worked hard on it and and yes a lot of people worked hard on it you know uh i i was um i unfortunately went to itt tech and went in their game design program 
and it was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. No worry about it. <laughs> We're moving on from it. But I had an instructor there who who worked on a local a local game studio. He he opened. He used to work for big game companies. He worked at Raven. He worked at um, the company that did incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction and Prototype. I'm just toy spacing on their name right now. Um, I can see the Radical, Radical Entertainment. So he worked at those places. Then he opened up his own studio here in Green Bay. And when he, you know, he made a game called Screwjumper. And it was an Xbox Live title that was arguably not very good. It, you know, whatever. It was just a small, quirky game. And it was their first game as a studio. They launched it. It got launched. It sold a few copies. And it wasn't a huge hit. And I remember I asked him about it sometime. And I said, you know, what, like, how do you feel about that game now? Like, looking back. And he said, the the company owner, Ben, he said, I'm really proud of all the hard work that people put into that game. And I thought that was a neat way of saying that, like, he understood that that game wasn't that great, but he still appreciated the hard work that went into it. That's the same thing with this movie. The hard work that they put into this movie is still appreciated. I still appreciate people in the industry, but they're doing the best they can with what they've got, you know. And, you know, even the artist that designed the Sonic, he still had to get that approved by a director by a producer, by, you know, they should have run uh, tests, test markets where they brought an audience in and said, what do you think of this Sonic? And everyone would have just started vomiting <laughs> in the test room or something. Um, you know, but that's one of those things that it it shouldn't have gotten that far. It, you, you can't blame the artists for that even because, you know, if, if they're saying, hey, let's try something different, here you go, and someone should have looked at that and been like, Nope, this is not traditional enough. Let's make it better because it's not even and it's not even appealing. That's the difference too. Even if it's different, even if like they made Sonic yellow or something, right? Let let's let's make him yellow for this movie for whatever reason. That'd be terrible, right? And that'd be off. But if he looked okay, it'd be different. But this was just like a really, really off-putting Sonic compared to the redesign, especially now. You see the redesign, you're like, this is this is totally realistic. This is this is viable. It works. It's going for the fit in the realistic world like detective pikachu did really well and here we are and then and then that's it so i i have to just say i think it is okay to voice your displeasure sometimes and it seems like whenever it's everybody complaining about it it's okay if it's 50 50 or whatever you want to say it's not okay and that's kind of unfortunate because there are people that have legitimate concerns and gripes about you know certain things i think like my gripe about Star Wars and not liking what they did with Luke's character. Now, I'm not asking for them to change it. I didn't go, the director should re-release the movie with a new script because I didn't like it. I'm just saying I didn't like it and I'm not going to watch it again. And, you know, I've seen Star Wars movies multiple times in the theater. That one I saw once and I was done. I'm, I know people that aren't excited for Episode Nine because of Episode Eight, And so there is some long-term damage that's done there. But again, in something like Star Wars, it's really hard to make everyone happy. At least with the Sonic movie, it was a very wide majority of people that thought the design was not good. And so it got changed. Um, it reminds me of on PlayStation 3 a long, long time ago when Infamous 2 was coming out. They released the new version of what they were going to make Cole look like. So Cole was, you know, the character from the first game. He was bald-headed and kind of, I don't know, he wore like a, like a leather jacket. And like he, he had a certain look to him. He looked different than most protagonists. It was, it was a cool look. So Uncharted 2 comes out and they start showing the concept art for Cole and he looks just like Nathan Drake from Uncharted. He's got like the 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 hair and like the way he's using like it just they changed his character fundamentally from where he was. A lot of people complained, thought it didn't look good, didn't like the way he looked, and they ended up changing it back to a more 
traditional coal from the first game and it was better the game was better for it so sometimes complaining is okay and, and sometimes it works out for the best because would you rather this movie didn't listen to its fans alienated half the core base and then well 75 percent of the core base probably and then the movie doesn't do well and then people start blaming the controversy for the movie not doing well, well see it didn't do well because people were complaining about it. no it didn't do well because people didn't want to go see it <laughs> those things you know are, are connected a little bit but anyway very good news it comes out in february uh anybody who complained about the movie because they hated how sonic looked i do i would say i agree with some of the commentators saying you know what go buy a ticket now you know you trashed it when it looked bad they fixed it they went out of their way they spent extra money fixing it you know obviously not for charity they did it because they want to make more money on the movie let's get real but you know now go see the movie and see if the other concerns we have end up <laughs> being a bigger deal than we thought compared to the way Sonic looked. So next up on the podcast today, we're talking about Death Stranding. And uh, I've, I've put some time into the game, some extensive amount of time, I feel like. About 15 to 20 hours I've put in so far, which is about the point of the game when they tell you, I mean, people have been saying, it, it, it gets good. So it's the time you really should start playing till. And this is a tough one, because uh, as I've said before, Hideo Kojima is probably my favorite game designer and i like how he takes risks and he tries things that are different when you've been playing games as long as i have oftentimes just looking for something different something that that just surprises you or shocks you stuff like that and i don't see that very often unfortunately anymore in gaming uh, i do play a lot of indie games and so sometimes they'll bring some really cool stuff out and i and i get it you know and i like it but kojima's always been someone to me that tries to integrate that weirdness that uniqueness into AAA games even in a stoic franchise like Metal Gear, he's still throwing in wacky little mini games. Metal Gear Solid 3 had that really neat little like vampire mini game and stuff like that. And so I always respect him as a developer for that reason. And I do like I like his unique thoughts and ideas. I would say roughly he's at like a 75% success rate on these. You know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. The the food system I thought was pretty good in Metal Gear 3, Solid 3, and I really liked the repair your limbs part. I thought that was cool. Like when you suffer injuries, you have to go into like a separate screen and set the bone and do this and bandage. I just thought that was kind of neat, along with the camouflage system instead of the solid on radar. All, all really interesting things, I thought. And so it makes me respect him as a game developer that way. So it's hard for me to knock death stranding even though that's a lot of what's going to be happening here i will i'm going to definitely talk about the things i liked and there it's about 50 50 right now i love certain things and i hate other things and it's really unfortunate i wanted to love the whole game um but unfortunately i think this is one of those times where in his head the idea of something didn't work as well as it looked in his head you know so the practicality of something wasn't as as good as the vision was and so let's start talking about death stranding with that laid out there. So if you, if you love Kojima and you love Death Stranding and you won't listen to anybody making any criticisms of it, then you can just thumbs down the video now and leave, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that's kind of what's going to be happening here. Although I will say before you go, I'd like to hear to my I'd like you to hear my points and hopefully you agree. But the first thing I would say is I'm going to give it a nice juicy compliment. I absolutely love the universe and the world that Hideo Kojima has created here. I love how in-depth it is. The only problem, one, is something that Hideo Kojima has always suffered from, and it's just the wacky naming that he does. Die Hardman. And, and like, like so the names of some of these characters are just bad, and they're not interesting. And you don't get to learn enough about them in the beginning to care about them. They just have weird, goofy names. 
And so otherwise, though, the universe, it's a post-apocalyptic world. Some sort of cataclysm happened. People are dealing with it and living with it. And you're trying to reconnect all these cities over the U.S. to reunite the United States as the United Cities of America. I think that's really cool. I think it's a neat premise. Uh, you know, as in most Kojima games, there's something to describe everything. The enemies are called BTs. Uh, the people that can detect the enemies are called Dooms. Uh, the little baby in the jar is called BBs for bridge babies because they bridge the connection between the the beach and the, the player. There's something called the beach, which seems to be like uh, where people go in kind of like an undead sort of state, uh, like a crossover sort of thing. I'm still learning more about the world. I don't know everything about it yet. Um, and then you have um, a Patriots, which uh, is what makes Sam special is he comes back to life when he gets taken by the BTs. So he can sense them. He's a dooms and he's BT. So I just threw a whole bunch of lingo at you that you probably don't understand. And that's fine. Um, and that's kind of what this game does, though, too, is it throws it all at you at once. The Metal Gear universe, while complex and has a lot of stuff going on, it was built over years and years and years on top of each other with every new entry into the series. This game says, let's take all this lore and just throw it at you at once. And it, so it can be a lot to take in. Uh, but I think it is its strongest suit. The, the story and the world and the universe and everything will be its strongest um, element of the game. Naming aside, uh, but I would say that unfortunately the game suffers from boring gameplay. I know, I hate to say, I don't know how to be any more blunt than that, except to say that the game is just boring. And so when you get into the gameplay loop, which essentially is just moving from settlement to settlement, carrying items, that is your core gameplay element. Now eventually, and this is why people say it takes 15 hours to get into, when you get to chapter three, you start to unlock vehicles. You get a motorcycle, you get a, you can steal trucks from the mules. By the way, it's another term, mules. That's what uh, they call people like bandits, I guess. You would say they're out there trying to steal other people's deliveries, so they're mules. Um, and so you can steal trucks from them. You know, you can traverse easier with all that sort of stuff. It's not bad. You know, you, you get the idea. And... So the game does get better at that 15 hour mark, but it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to play a game for 15 hours to really get into the normal groove in my opinion. But this game suffers from what every single open world game suffers from is that you've got a narrative you're trying to hear the story of, and then you've got a whole bunch of side missions that you want to do to upgrade yourself. So you have to pick what you want to do. Do you want to do some side mission stuff today or do you want to do some story stuff today? And so you go back and forth until you eventually get sick of one. Like, I'm sick of doing side missions, so now I'm going to do story. Um, I don't want to push the story too fast, so I'll go back and do some side missions, yada, yada. And so it suffers from all that stuff. So as unique as a game designer as Hideo Kojima is, his take on open world games isn't unique. His take on open world games is suffers from the same shortfalls that those games have you still have to let you find these towers that'll ping the map and discover things for you you have to pick up things you find in the environment like it's very cookie cutter in my opinion now there is unique stuff to the gameplay though and one of the things i really enjoy about the gameplay is they um they have an online element and this online element allows you to share items and structures that you've built with other players it's actually really cool you can go to a, a, a resting place you can actually put items in a shared locker. And these are items that other players can come and take out. It's really neat. Um, you leave messages on the ground. Um, like I put up a charging station that charges electric vehicles. And like I've gotten a bunch of likes from that because I put it in a really good spot that's kind of halfway between two bases. Right when you're starting to get nervous about your bike running out, you see this 
beacon of hope, this charger, so you don't have to get off your vehicle. And so, you know, so that's really cool. I like the idea that we're, and we're working together on things. Like I'm helping build a highway that once it's there, your electric vehicles stay charged on the, on the grid. So like I'm building pieces of the highway, some pieces are already built. I'm building more. It's just cool. It's really neat. And so I like that. It's, it's, it's an expansion on what from software did with dark souls and demon souls, which was interaction through leaving notes for other players and stuff like that. And seeing other people's death signs when they died. So as a warning to you, maybe not to die that way to see their, their blood stains. And so it's just an expansion on that though. So I, I have a hard time even saying that it's an original idea. It just feels like it's another really neat idea, but expanded upon, which is okay. It's better than not expanding upon an idea and just copying it. But I do like that about the gameplay. I like the online interaction, even though you're not talking and playing with other players, you do interact with them. And I think that's neat. Um, but again, the core gameplay loop and, and the whole balancing thing, you know, it was a neat gimmick in the beginning, but after a while it gets so boring and tired. And part of the problem is it punishes you for trying to overachieve. And so if you put yourself right to the weight limit that you can carry, you, you, you're, you're so topsy turvy. You're, it's so impossible to hold on to everything without falling over. Well, when I play an open world game and I see that I'm, I'm at point A and I've got a mission for point B and point C and point D, I'm going to grab a mission for all three and do all three in succession. I'm all about optimizing my time. It's like an old school MMO grind kind of, kind of feel where I just optimize my quest turn ins. I do all that sort of stuff, but it, it, so it's actually punishing me because it's infinitely harder. It would probably be faster to run to the first one just with a small pack, run back, grab another one, run all the way back, grab an, you know what I mean? And, and it would probably be faster that way, but I'm too stubborn to do that. And so I feel like I'm as, as my play style, I'm being punished. And so it makes me dislike the game. Um, part of the gameplay. And, and like I said, your life is made a little easier when you run into these vehicles and some of these vehicles are, are atrocious though. And I like the bike and I like the truck well enough. It holds a ton of cargo. But I'm, I, I got a truck stuck in a river. I told this story last night in the Dropcast, but I got a truck stuck in a river. And, I was, and then I was able to jump and maneuver enough just to get the truck out of the river. And I landed dead on top of a rock with like all four wheels off the ground. It makes no sense. It wouldn't have balanced that way. I, I would have been able to rock it off the rocks or something, but nope, it just was stuck there. So I had to go steal another truck, ram it into the first truck, to get it unstuck from a rock. It just seems really silly and pointless. And there were times when I was actually screaming at the TV, like, I can't believe this is a Hideo Kojima game because normally his control is better than that. You know, the, the attacking, like the combat is awful. I'm sorry. You have a three button combo. It's square, square, square. You hit punch a guy three times. You break his guard square, square, square. You punch him again. Then you knock him out and that's it. They've, he somehow has downgraded his combat system for metal gear the driving's about the same, I guess if I'd arguably say it's worse than metal gear because you can't drive most places. They put a lot of rocks in the fields. It's so strange that way. Like they just, all these design choices, you could tell that they didn't want you driving everywhere. They wanted you walking a lot of places. So they put all these garbage, crappy rocks everywhere. So you can't drive the vehicles that you just got to make your life easier. And so I feel like they're taking away my progression by forcing me to walk somewhere as opposed to ride somewhere. Fine. It's fine. But, you know, those are some of the things that are really annoying gameplay. So I think overall, when I talk about Death Stranding, what I have to say is, one, it's not a masterpiece. And I'm really bothered by the amount of studio heads that when this game was coming out, you know, they they showed the game to a lot of heads of studios that came to visit. Like um, the head of Remedy went there to the studio. Gorilla, the, that guy went, the, the head of that studio went there. People went there from, uh, I think, Insomniac or um, even... Um, 
Naughty Dog, I believe, went there and checked it out. Everybody said the same thing when they came back. He's changing the way we play games. It's incredible. You have to play it. It's like nothing I've ever played. It's amazing. Now, a lot of that's corporate speak, right? They're all under the Sony umbrella. They're all bro they're all brothers in arms trying to stick up for each other. And, uh, you know, Kojima uses the Decima engine, which was created by Gorilla, and he had a lot of support from them. So it, it makes sense. There's a good relationship. There. There's nothing wrong with that. But the game is not a masterpiece. I'm sorry. It, I, it, there's just nothing that makes this game a must play. And I say that as somebody who loves Hideo Kojima's work, who loves Metal Gear and, and just would love to see him be successful. And there's a lot of people out there that just want to see him fail for whatever reason. I don't know if it's they hate the fans always gushing about how awesome he is or whatever, but there's people out there just waiting for his first game to flop, you know, and that makes no sense to me. Like you should always want people to be successful, but anyway, so the gameplay just suffers from this just mediocre to subpar gameplay. And so the only thing carrying it is this awesome universe we talked about earlier, which I am totally okay with because I'm all about a good story. I actually say, and, and people are going to put me on blast for this, and that's just fine, but I feel like it's my opinion. It's not anyone else's opinion, just my own opinion. It is my opinion that the combat and controls in Last of Us and Uncharted are also very mediocre. But you play those games because Uncharted has this, imme uh, this immense sense of, of fun and discovery and adventure. And you play Last of Us because it was an incredibly brutal yet interesting story. And you wanted to play it and see it through to the end. Arguably, both those games do have better controls, in my opinion, than Death Stranding do. But I've played those games to completion knowing that I was putting up with not the best gameplay so that I could get to the good stuff, which is the story. I feel like that's how it's going to be with Death Stranding. I need to get to the end of the game so that I can see if the whole thing comes together. And I can tell you this right now, once I beat the game, I will never play it again. Because the gameplay is what brings you back from multiple playthroughs, not the story. And unfortunately, the story will usually only carries you through, I should say carries me, through through one playthrough. So we'll see. And I think that is a, a problem with some of the reviewers, is that I don't think most of the reviewers finish the game. If I have to be totally honest, when I read some of these reviews, you can tell that... Or that or they don't care about the story and they want and they're more gameplay focused, which a lot of gamers are. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like people prefer gameplay over story. Then I would really have a hard time recommending this game to you because the gameplay, in my opinion, is not going to keep it all together. I, I, I hate to say it. And like nothing would have made me happier than to put in Death Stranding last Thursday night and just be so completely immersed in a game and love it so much that it was my game of the year. I don't see how this could be anyone's game of the year. Now, that might change. When I get to the end of the story, if certain reveals pop up and there's interesting twists and really touching, moving story, it might pull me that way. But you have games that had just unbelievably tight controls and fun stories like Resident Evil 2, Sekiro. I mean, I don't know what's going to beat that. Sekiro was so high on my list. So good. And you've had a ton of other great games just coming out all year. I just don't know how it could be game of the year. Does that mean it shouldn't play it? Absolutely not. If it interests you, play it. Or watch somebody play it. But in any case, don't take my opinion as what you should or shouldn't do. I'm just sharing my opinion with people who I think like to hear it. Um, as I've been told by people in our YouTube comments. And that's fine. And if you don't agree, that's fine too. Leave a comment. Let's 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 riff over it. It's totally fine. You know, if, if, if it's your game of the year and you've never played anything better, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. I'm not, I'm not going to knock anybody for having a different opinion than I. But this is my opinion is just that the game is really suffers and and from from bad gameplay. And, and it disappoints me so much because there is good elements to the gameplay and there are moments of fun. And then they're just met head on with equally equal parts frustration. And so 
Um, again, the characters are fine. I don't like the names, but all the characters are interesting enough. They're different. They have mysterious backgrounds. Like a lot of this stuff works and it is a very beautiful game. I mean, all this stuff works. And so there's a lot of good going on here. You know, there's a lot of really good stuff going on in the game. And there's just some really odd choices that, you know, when this game's been in development for three years, I don't know how nobody played it. And, you know, I don't know how nobody pulled it aside and said like that's not fun we should try to do something to make it more fun but anywho you know it is what it is and i do i do still like kojima and i think this might have been a test of him without the corporate overlords right we always talked about how konami hindered him but maybe they were reining him in and that would be the scary thing is if often like uh, people complain about with george lucas and the star wars trilogy uh the the prequel trilogy once he didn't have any one watching over him that the product suffered because he needed people around him to say no. And sometimes, you know, when you get really big, it's hard to find people that'll tell you no. And hopefully it's not him making it so that people don't want to tell him no. But anyway, I, I still suggest playing it. I can't recommend buying it right away, but you know, red box it, check it out, see if you like it. And if you really like the gameplay, then I think you really like the game because the story's pretty solid and I love the universe. I mean, Sam as a main character is pretty boring, but he's meant to be generic because we're the player. So we're supposed to put ourselves in that role. So he's not supposed to be the most forefront character. Uh, the other, the, the, the surrounding cast is supposed to make you feel like the character, I think. So, um, but you know, it, it is a, it is a Hideo Kojima game. You'll know it right when you play it. Um, not just because his name shows up a hundred times, but because it has a certain style, the menus are there. There's some really good stuff going on. Um, so like I said, on the, on the positive side, I love the story and I think it's going to be interesting. I got to see it through, but on the negatives, the gameplay does really jar you when you're trying to have fun. It almost seems like it keeps getting in the way of you having fun. And, and that's, that's like the worst thing a game can do. Yeah. I've got about 15 hours into death stranding so far. And, and it, it, that's all I can say about it. Like, I can't say I love it or hate it. I'm like, I'm like, this is the most, like the jury's still out. I've ever been on a game. I just can't form that opinion until I finish the story. And if the story leaves me wanting more, the gameplay will definitely have left me wanting more. And then the game will be what it essentially got and deserved, which is, you know, fives and sixes out of tens. Now there are a lot of people praising it, saying it's 10 out of 10 best game ever. That could be because they got to the end and the story touched them in a certain way, you know? And, and if I get to that point point, the story touches me in a certain way, I will also be there. So it will be very, very surprising to see where we end up. So I really, really do hope that I like it. So with that being said, uh, that's all I got for news stories today. I've got my pickup pile of the week. I've got my game of the week. And then we're going to, we're going to wrap this up and we'll talk to you guys next week. So our, our game of the week this week is Chrono Cross for the PlayStation one. We're sticking with our PlayStation one. Such the right screen here. We're sticking to our PlayStation one theme that we've been doing and chrono cross so chrono cross is a squaresoft rpg a two disc squaresoft rpg for the playstation one it was touted as a sequel to chrono trigger it obviously has the word chrono in the name so of course you're going to associate this game with chrono trigger it says right in the back 20 years after the events in chrono trigger a new set of adventures are preparing a battle that will surpass even space and time the long-awaited sequel to one of history's favorite adventures it says it's right on the back of the box 
This game has nothing to do with Chrono Trigger. It has it has none of the whimsical music. It has none of the interesting characters. It has none of the great sprite-based look. It just, you know, so this game is fine, except that when it came out, you're expecting Chrono Trigger 2, and you get Chrono Cross. So I guess it's perhaps my own expectations that needed to be tempered. But in any case, the game was a bit of a disappointment at the time because I was expecting Chrono Trigger 2. So I remember not liking it. And I remember putting it away for a long time, being kind of pissed off about it. I visited it a few years later. This was many years ago after that, but a few years after I bought it initially. And it, there is a really good game underneath here. And, and Chrono Cross is definitely one of the must-play PS1 RPGs. It's just unfortunate that they were shamelessly using the Chrono name to try to sell copies. And I get it. But if you're going to do that, then somehow connect it to the other Chrono games instead of just having it in name only. And they did this a lot on PS1. They did Legend of Mana, which I did not like either. And, uh, you know, so sometimes they just kind of, I don't know, I just feel like the, in like Dawn of Mana on PS2, like they're bringing up these names to get us to say, oh, Secret of Mana was really good, so of course I'm going to play the sequel. But it wasn't very good um, compared to Secret of Mana. In fact, it was pretty bad, actually, especially Dawn. But, you know, in any case, I still think Chrono Cross is a game worth playing. Just go in knowing that while it exists in the same universe, it's not really a Chrono Trigger sequel. It's just another game that has to do with time and space. I think that's fair. All right. So... After our game of the week, we have our pickup pile of the week. We have four games today. We're starting with an oddball one. We got a PC game, actually. And it's the shareware version of Blood. So if you don't know, Blood was a game that came out. It was probably one of the best shooters since the Doom Quake era. It came out, and it was... And you can actually play... Um, Night Dive Studios re remastered this for Steam, so you can play this and get like a newer version of it. It still looks the same, though, which is great. But it's got that kind of Doom feel to it, but you have like Tommy guns, pistols, great, and you fight like zombies and weird mimes. And uh, <laughs> like on the back of the box, it says, multiple giblet types fly in true rooms above rooms. Walls bleed, heads fly, architecture can be destroyed. Gruesome eight-player bloodbaths featuring cool new humiliation sequences and vast moving sectors trains planes get your blood racing and your brain flying um so this is just the shareware cd of blood uh but i just thought it was cool and it looked really good and it, it looks good on a shelf as just a jewel case and yeah i'm a sucker for old pc games uh next up i picked up a copy on ps2 of neo contra so uh not a great contra game not my favorite not as good even as contra for the, the other Contra for PS2, um, Shattered Soldier, but it is not a bad game. So as long as you go in knowing it's a different type of Contra game, you'll like it, but it's pretty good, and it's two-player, and it's fun. It's Contra. It lives up to the hype. Uh, then next up, I got a PS4 game. Limited Run officially released the physical copies of Celeste on PS4, so I picked that up. And then they released Metal Slug 3 on PS4, which is kind of redundant for me since I have the Metal Gear or the Metal Slug anthology for PS2, which has every Metal Slug game on it, and then this is just Metal Slug 3, but they released this on Xbox Original, which I bought, and I do love Metal Slug 3, and, you know, I don't know, it's just something cool about it, that I'm gonna have, like, another PS4 game of another game straight to love, and Metal Slug is, is, is like, Contra on crack, it is just, it is just, a uh, or maybe Speed, I should say, and it's just, um, it's just a, a fast-paced, like, super version of Contra with much better animations, interesting characters, sound effects. It's an old-school arcade game from SNK. Like, it's got everything you'd want. It's everything that's really good. 
So again, I want to remind everyone that in the next week or two, you're going to uh, end up seeing my Metal Gear podcast pop up. I'd love for you to give it a listen. It would mean a lot. Also, make sure you follow us on faith. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> follow us on Twitter. I'm at Game Trade Greg. You can subscribe to us if you have an extra Prime account, or you can just uh, follow us on Twitch. We're twitch.tv slash the drop rate. And on YouTube, you can subscribe. It's youtube.com slash drop rate. We're almost at 6,000 subs. We're super close, actually. Um, let me do a live counter here. Let's see where we're at. Let's see where we're at. Um, let's see here. Um, so, subscribers, as of today, we're at... Uh, well... <laughs> Oh, we just hit 6,000. Holy crap. Like, literally, I just went to look at it, and we just hit 6,000. So we've, um, yeah, man, that's that's crazy. We wanted to hit 6,000 by the end of the year. We did it. That makes me really happy. It's amazing that two years ago in February, we were under 1,000. And so while our growth is definitely slow, we're getting there. We're, we're putting some work in. So we're, uh, we're up views 9% in the last 28 days. We're up 4% in watch time, and we're down 16% in revenue. What are you going to do? Mostly because our best videos right now are just dance videos that don't make us any money because they copyright claim them. So what are you, you going to do? But in any case, thank you again, as always, for listening and watching. Uh, thank you, whoever was that 6,000 subscriber. Much love. Much appreciated. Um, and... Yeah, keep an eye for that Metal Gear podcast. It'll be fun, I think. So, And, and give me some feedback. If, if it totally sucks, you got to let me know so I don't do another one. <laughs> uh, but thank you, everybody, for always for listening and watching. Have yourself a good day. We'll talk to you next week. This is Greg, Game Talk Radio. Have a good one. Bye-bye.